Now, welcome to the Embark Minipod, brought to you by Embark Group, as we take a snapshot look at some of the finer topics from across the industry. And today, we're looking at some of the findings from our latest investor confidence barometer, and specifically, consumer duty. And joining me to talk about that is product marketing manager at Embark Group, Andrew Phipps. Andrew, welcome. Thanks for being with us today. Um, I suppose the best way to get a grip on this initially is to just give you the FCA's own definition of what consumer duty means. It's a new consumer principle requiring firms to act to deliver good outcomes for retail customers, cross-cutting rules requiring firms to act in good faith, avoid causing foreseeable harm, and enable and support customers to pursue their financial objectives. Quite a mouthful, but clearly a new and important principle, Andrew. And just from the evidence that comes from this this survey, it does look pretty positive in terms of uh, advisor reaction. 64% of advisors believing it's going to improve client experience. I mean, they clearly are buying into this, aren't they? Yeah, they seem to be. And as he sort of mentioned, you know, we we have conducted this survey and, and he was exactly right. You know, we have had quite a, a strong um, showing of support for the consumer duty, which I think I think is right. You know, I think those, um, those good advisors that, you know, uh, want to support their customers will see the benefits in in and adhering to the duty it's got all the right things in there with delivering good customer outcomes and and ultimately that's that's what you want for a, a well um serviced and um you know marketplace i suppose the, the the counter to that in a way is yes the principle clearly is important but the evidence that you're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing seems to be giving some of them at least a, a bit of concern i mean concerns about that evidence supporting that fact is that a, a clear issue? Yeah, I think it is. And if we sort of look at the regulations as they're set out, they're, they're not particularly prescriptive. Um, they're very much down to interpretation. And, and, you know, each individual firm has got to tackle that and try and get to the bottom of how they actually want to demonstrate to their boards that they are uh, adhering to um, to the duty. I mean, looking at the survey results, we've got quite a significant proportion, uh, as many as 60% of the advisors we surveyed were were worried about having to evidence um, that they are delivering good customer outcomes, and and as little as as thirteen percent claim to not to be worried. So uh, there is that concern, not just I think within the advisor community, but I think we can probably assume that's the that's the case for for every regulated firm. But then the obvious question is, where do they get the guidance from? I mean, is there an obvious way forward on this? Uh, there absolutely is, and and I think it's probably down sort of you know a collaborative sort of kind of route. I mean, we're uh, as a product provider, we're tackling with this ourselves. Um, we do see this as uh, an opportunity for us to to strengthen our our advisor relationships and sort of understand how we can support advisors through through this uh, this period of time and and how they can sort of adhere to to the duty. Um, going back to the survey, this is a question that we also specifically asked. We, you know, we had uh, again quite a high proportion of advisors that that did sort of claim that they would like to work with providers such as ourselves as many as 63 percent responded as such on our survey so there clearly is a concern and, and it clearly is an opportunity there for for more collaborative working relationships between providers uh, providers and, and, and um advisors now i guess cost always is an issue and particularly right now of course for obvious reasons the state the uh, economy is in um now 60 percent of the survey said uh the consumer duty would change the way they thought about that. What do you think that really means? Where does that lead us? Yeah, and actually that was one of the more reassuring findings from our survey. As you say, you know, 60% of advisors believe that the duty will change how they think about the overall 
cost and value that that consumers are getting and and it, it may well be true uh, that currently we're perhaps as an industry slightly guilty of just sort of looking at our own products uh, sorry our own charges for the, for the products and services that we that we look at and actually you know it's right that we look at it from a consumer point of view and we consider all of the charges that that are there within uh, that distribution chain um, and it's it's quite clear that actually advisors are pretty uniquely positioned to do this uh, probably far more easily than than other providers they I guess firstly they they have a pivotal position in in a distribution chain you know they have end-to-end -end visibility of the products and services which they recommend to their clients uh, and fully understand you know the overall costs involved in um, in the advice that they give uh, and secondly they they've also got uh, you know the full understanding of what the the client's sort of full financial picture is and knowledge of what um you know the individual's perception of of value is which are, of course will differ from from client to client and given they have the, the primary relationship with with the client to determine whether those benefits are actually being achieved they're, you know they're ideally placed to do that assessment and i guess that sort of brings us rather neatly into the, you know, the differences between clients into what's been called the advice gap of course the uh, in some ways i guess one of the most interesting findings on the survey 66% of advisors believe that the consumer duty's focus on value for money is going to mean marginal clients may go unserved and drop into the advice gap apparently 10% of advisors actually disagree with that now um, that's worrying on the surface um because the duty seems to be having an adverse impact, perhaps uh, an unintended consequence, I guess one could see it as. Yeah, and I think it, it clearly is an unintended consequence. I think if we were to see that that advice gap widened, then, um, you know, particularly with directly as a result of the impact of the duty, then that would be obviously a worrying development uh, for the FCA and certainly not, not a consequence that they would have sought to achieve from this. I mean, we think a reason, I guess, why advisors, and as you say, 66% of the advisors we surveyed had this view. We think we think the reason for this view is is simply down to how advisors can demonstrate that they deliver value uh, to clients, and and clearly that's simpler for them to do for clients that have higher investable assets. Um, those clients that were, I guess, previously sort of borderline, um, i.e., those with sort of low investable assets. Um, if advisor isn't comfortable that they can clearly demonstrate that they are providing value uh, and perhaps tighten up on their target market and err on the side of caution you know that these clients could very easily drop in into that advice gap and and that's not something that we that we want as an industry to see you know we sort of value the uh, the advice which um advisors give to their clients um, it's very important particularly at critical points within you know the retirement journey going into drawdown etc you know that the value of advice is, is critical at these particular points. We don't want to see clients moving away from uh, from advice as a result of the duty. Now, Andrew, that's interesting. I mean, you're bringing up that sort of dilemma, I guess. I mean, and on this podcast before, we've talked about the way in which tech kind of helps in that or could do, uh, at least in terms of the advice gap, because um, consolidation, greater use of technology, robo-advice models, I mean, these perhaps drive economies of scale that could answer that problem. Uh, well, that's exactly it. Um, you know, if we we are seeing that the marketplace is is consolidating, we are seeing greater use of of technology, and you know, the combination of these two will bring scale and and efficiencies within organisations, which which could make could make accessing. Oh, sorry, uh, 
making these marginal clients more viable to advisors to uh, to service. So that's exactly it. The, the solution could well be in you know, the dynamics of the industry itself. And I suppose what we're talking about here when we talk about the advice gap slightly overlaps with with one of the other areas which which we certainly want to talk about, which is vulnerable customers. Uh, and, and this is a, an issue that, that clearly is very important, particularly maybe at a point where uh, there are more vulnerable customers, partly because of the nature of the way the economy is going, perhaps. But it was what struck me in this survey was uh, um, a large number of advisors are confident their firms have appropriate strategies in place to identify who these people are. But the problem in a way is self-identification. It seems there's a big difference between those who do identify as vulnerable and the estimated percentage of vulnerable customers that advisors see. What do you think is going on there? Yeah, well, let's just sort of look into the numbers a little bit, I guess. So, you know, we had a whopping 86% of advisors, you know, telling us that they are comfortable, that they have the appropriate infrastructure and processes in place to identify customers. And and that's actually up from 72% the last time we did a survey which which is very encouraging um however as you say there is a question over whether advisors are are capturing all vulnerabilities you know in other words is there a gap between the cases that advisors are recording uh, as being vulnerable and actually the level of vulnerability uh, there is amongst those clients so so we covered this in in our survey as well um of the advisors we surveyed um they're estimating that sort of somewhere between six and twenty percent of their customers they're uh, they're classifying as being vulnerable and and on average that was eleven and a half percent and and this was consistent across geographies and asset profiles etc but when we uh, actually spoke to the advised clients directly uh, we saw a slightly different picture here in that actually nineteen percent of those advised clients um, that we surveyed would consider themselves as being Vulnerable. So there is a gap there between, I guess, what advisors are, are recording as vulnerability and actually what is uh, what is actually the true case when you talk to the, the clients directly. Well, why do you think there is that underestimate? It seems it seems strange in a way, doesn't it? Uh, it is strange. Um, I mean, we could, I guess, look at a number of reasons. I mean, we, we, we know that for certain age demographics, for example, that, uh, you know, if you're in your 20s, you're more likely to consider yourself vulnerable uh, than if you're older um, and it could well be that there's just this generation gap where perhaps stiff up a little mood I so, suppose yeah certain yeah. cohorts aren't, aren't prepared to admit that they are vulnerable to to their advisors um, so that could be one outrun reason for this um, for this differential yeah and, and, and I mean then that it makes it very difficult for advisors because you can't I suppose categorize people as vulnerable if they don't see themselves in that light it's very difficult to do so. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are certain cohorts. I, you know, where I think you probably would automatically classify as potentially being vulnerable. So, for example, if you're bereaved, um, or if you're going through a divorce, for example, you you can make an assumption that actually these clients probably should be treated slightly differently, and and as a vulnerable case, even without them actually recognising their vulnerability themselves. So there, there is that disparity as well. Yeah, I suppose you get to a point where where people, you know, as you say, well, don't necessarily identify it, but but clearly are and need to be helped. Do you think the whole idea of dealing with vulnerable customers is catching on in a big way now? Because it's relatively new to the industry, isn't it? Uh, it is relatively new, but it's it's very important um, as well. We've had quite a lot of regulation uh, as a result of vulnerability, so it, it certainly is uh, catching on, and we are seeing an increase in 
you know solutions in the marketplace and services and and how firms do deal with um vulnerability we're seeing some some good news there and i think we have done a podcast specifically on vulnerability previously yeah we, so. we we talked about it in considerable detail and i think that the sense there was this is something that what the industry needs to take on board perhaps more now than it would even uh, you know pre-covid um, well let me ask you then finally do you think that uh, overall then that, 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 that what what this survey suggests is that the consumer duty area and the vulnerable customers which are two key areas that advisors need to take on board that really this is now uh, something that's in the forefront of advisors minds and that they feel they are able to deal with it yes i do i mean i think they're able to deal with it obviously as we sort of mentioned that you know along with the support of of providers, um, you know, we've got till the end of uh, July 2023 to deliver um, consumer duty, and I think it's probably quite prominent in most advisor firms, certainly in provider firms, um, on the agenda for for delivery. So, yeah, I think it's an industry that is certainly waking up to um, to consumer duty, and uh, and I think we can see that as a positive thing. Great. Thanks very much indeed. That's it then from this Embark Mini Put. My thanks to Product Marketing Manager Embark Group, Andrew Phipps, for joining us here. It was a fascinating discussion. I'm going to be back with more Mini Pods. I'm Roger Hearing for now. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Thank you.